Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. The Women's World Cup Show. On Off the Ball. With Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant. Official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. You are very welcome along to the Women's World Cup show here on Off The Ball with thanks to Shore Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup. It's all eyes now on Perth and Ireland's second game at the tournament, hoping to bounce back from the defeat against the co-host Australia last week as they take on the Olympic champions Canada tomorrow lunchtime. Delighted to say Sinead O'Carroll and Kathleen McNamee join me from Australia. How are we getting on? Yeah, all Doing good. good. Um, We've had a busy day of press conferences Walk arounds the walkabouts the pitch and lashing rain. Yeah, it's been an interesting adjusting one. to the jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> it's another time zone to have to contend with, which the players have had to do as well, Kathleen. But all eyes, as Sinead mentioned, on training today because you got kind of a few tidbits from Vera Pau at the press conference this morning about fitness concerns, particularly around Louise Quinn. Uh, but then we were watching a potential second injury concern for tomorrow at training as well. Yeah, so Heather Payne sat out a lot of the training session today and she did have her right leg strapped. Now, having talked to a couple of people, they said this is probably more a precautionary thing in managing her load more than it was uh, something to be massively concerned about. And Vera was very clear in her press conference earlier that she wanted to be totally honest with everyone that was there in terms of what the team was actually facing. Uh, so Louise kind of remains the player that we're mostly concerned about. Um, it was kind of a weird situation where the FAI released a statement just before the press conference that kind of gave the impression that Louise would be okay and that she had trained fine. But then over the course of the evening, it turned out that her training sessions were just running sessions. They weren't actually contact. And tonight, the contact training was kind of going to decide whether she starts tomorrow or not. I think... Uh, it's kind of been a weird lead up for both of these games for the Ireland team, because if we said of the three or five players that we don't want to get injured ahead of a game, Denise, Louise are going to be like the top people that you think of in that context. Um, so hopefully she came out of training okay and Vera thinks she's able to play. I think Louise herself would probably play if she was on one leg, um, but she came out particularly battered from that last game. So the top of your mind is obviously player wellness, but you hope that she's there. And if not, we have good players that can step into the fold there. You know, you look at the likes of Diane Caldwell, who are incredibly experienced. And even if it means that Louise can only play a certain amount of time, I think we should be covered one way or the other. Mm. Uh, I don't think, Sinead, that a risk will be taken if Louise Quinn is not able to take to the field, such as how important tomorrow afternoon's fixture is. But I'm sure Louise Quinn would be absolutely desperate to play in this game. Yeah, for, for me, one of the Canadian journalists asked, it was one of the first questions, which is testament to how uh, good Louise is and how important she is to the way that we play. Like, I think Denise and Katie are both better footballers, but I think in the way that we set up and the way that Vera Pau's system is, is actually Louise is pretty much up there with the two of them, I think, in terms of importance. Um, so, yeah, the Canadian journalists were asking me, like, is Louise Quinn going to be okay and I was like, it would take a lot for Louise Quinn not to be okay for tomorrow. And 
while it's not a like one of the big questions um, in the press conference is, is it a must win or a must draw? Like while it's not really a complete must win, I think it's more important that Louise plays tomorrow um, than it would be maybe to like try and hold off and save her the, so that she can play against Nigeria. So, you know, even if it's a question of, you know, just dealing with whatever pain comes tomorrow and just sorting it out later in the tournament or later in the year or making it a problem that the clubs have to worry about come August. I think that's what the situation will be with Louise. Um, personally, I think if it was her own decision, that's what it would be. But I think even from an FAI and Vera Pau decision-making viewpoint, that's what it's going to be as well. Mm. Kathleen, you spotted the Heather Payne precaution uh, at training today and it would seem in the last few hours this is a hamstring issue but not potentially one that keeps her out of the game but one that's just being managed at the moment Yeah, from what I hear that's what it is I chatted to a couple of people that I know within the setup and the general feeling that I got was that it was more precautionary than anything else Um, it said that she had tweaked it like a couple of days ago and not like a major tweak but also just wanting to make sure she was okay in the long term uh so hopefully it's not anything serious hopefully it is just what they're saying in terms of it being managing her load and making sure she is okay for tomorrow i think as much as Sinead is saying any of those players who have been in the starting 11 who have been solidly in Vera's top choice all of them are going to want to make it on the pitch tomorrow so they're going to do whatever they can to be there uh, and Vera did say in her press conference when she was talking and again I always take these things with like a slight pinch of salt but Emma Duffy who works for the 42 she said she asked her the question of you know is everyone else fit in the squad and Vera was like yes I'm always 100% honest everyone else is fit and fine that's why it was a little bit of a surprise that Heather sat out and also had the wrap on her leg um so it's just one of those ones that's really hard to balance up the information that you're hearing and what you're seeing and actually knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, we saw it with Australia last week before the game. Sam Kerr was put up for media and by all intents and purposes, she was starting. And then all of a sudden, an hour before the game, she wasn't. So we don't know if similar was, things are going on now. It was so funny, Kathleen, because when she said that thing of like, I'm always honest, I don't think it's the winning or losing of a game. I thought that was quite a point to dig at Tony Gustafsson. Yeah. And then when we then when we arrived at training, I was like, not only 15 minutes ago, Vera Pau was telling us that she was open and honest and she didn't think there was any point in lying about injuries. And I'm like, but it's also that's a such fairly a- significant strapping on Heather Payne's leg. And Heather is like the reason that she's on the team is for her pace, like, and for the fact that she can run up and down that wing, like she can't play like Katie McCabe can play, but she can run up the wing like Katie McCabe can run up and down that Mm -hmm. wing. You can't do that with it, like a tweaked hamstring, like, sorry, like that's way more dangerous to our starting 11 than Louise Quinn being in a bit of pain. Like Louise Quinn can manage a bit of pain on a, on a bruised, bone much more than we can manage a tweaked hamstring on one of our fastest players legs so it's also you know. such a classic Vera line though as well where she says to the media constantly like I'm always obvious I'm telling you the absolute truth and then it kind of there's a trickle down effect where that doesn't always tend to be all that true especially when it comes to players so the minute she said that I was kind of like mm, is there something else <laughs> going on and then training kind of proved that there was Say, Kathleen, if Heather Payne gets assessed tonight or into tomorrow and it turns out the hamstring injury is worse than first feared, can't play. Who's the alternative at right wing back then for tomorrow? 
this is the thing like I think it really depends on what goes on with the rest of the squad so like if Louise is fish who do you put in there and also there's still that sort of debate in the midfield as well like is Abby Larkin going to come in for Marissa Shiva and how does that like shift around the team so I think there's a lot of decisions that have to be made tomorrow and I'm really really curious to see does Vera actually throw the book at things in the way that she hasn't before because I actually think as Sinead said earlier this is like the game that you want to do it in because if we don't get a result tomorrow it's putting an awful lot of pressure on the Nigeria game and an awful lot of pressure on the entire squad rather than actually giving some players a little bit of an opportunity tomorrow um, like we were having this debate at dinner tonight about whether Abby Larkin should or shouldn't start and in games where she has started she's been like a little bit starstruck but then in games that she's come on and in the last couple of months she's performed incredibly well so what do you do in that situation like I'm fully certain that Vera is sitting where whichever hotel she is in in Perth right now with a massive headache trying to work out what the best thing to actually do is mm. Like yeah. Sinead, Sinead, it seems the approach isn't necessarily going to change here because I was reading Vera Powell's comments and she was asked about the defensive structure particularly and said, we've got some fantastic defenders. They're not the quickest. So if you don't have cover, then we need five or six uh, one-on-ones could potentially happen on the goalkeeper if we don't have pace on the wings to cover. Says so they're getting there, getting better and better. But she made it very clear that they won't be making any sweeping changes to approach. So even if the personnel is maybe going to be switched around a little bit, I think we're to expect something similar to the setup against Australia. Yeah, she answers the question around whether we have to have five at the back. Like she's been asked, is the earth round? You know, she, she it's like, well, we have to have five at the back. There, it, it's just a fact. Um, and when she explains it, like Vera can be very convincing when she explains things. And when she says, you know, we have fantastic defenders, but they're slow. You can't really argue against that. You know, um, like when we were watching Louise Quinn today, like, you're going, okay, yeah, no, she looks fine on that ankle. And then one of the lads said, well, she looked a bit slow there. And you're like, well, like <laughs> that that doesn't mean that she's any different. Like Louise isn't the fastest player in the world. She's, you know, six foot. That's what know, we had when we had Aoife Mannion in the squad. That yeah, was yeah. The one player that brought it in. Oh God, like Aoife Mannion, the player that we only had for two games where we miss her more than you can imagine. <laughs> like just the depth perception perception changes so much. So for me, there's the, the, absolutely there's going to be five to the back. She's not going to change that. But the personnel does does change it a lot. So whether she has a bit of freedom to allow Katie to not be like specifically like chained to left back for an entire 90 minutes, um, whether, you know, if Heather's available, can, you know, she play a little bit more offensively can she free up like last week Sinead Farley and Nifahi were very much protecting Heather because I think it was very obvious that the Australians that was the person they were targeting uh, Sinead Farley is more offensive minded but they she was very much protecting Heather for the whole of the first 60 minutes or 50 minutes whenever uh, Sinead Farley came off so that was part of the reason why a lot of the 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 it wasn't necessarily the personnel change, but it was the the system change. And obviously, uh, Australia were allowed play were playing a lot different because they were just defending a lead rather than you know with being nil all. So, I don't know. For me, if Heather Payne's out, it's probably a direct swap with Onyo Gorman, and then you do probably get less options offensively. Um, so yeah, it it does come back to there's just a little bit too little depth on on the on the bench, which is interesting because we were talking when the squad was named about all the people who had missed out and, you know, that it was 
really difficult. But now when you get to it, we're like, oh, a couple of injuries actually highlights that we don't have a huge amount of depth in a, in a few places. Um, we do if we play the system of five, three, one, and, you know, we don't want to score goals, but we have to go and score goals for the next two games. So, mm. yeah. Because, Kathleen, that is the problem. You know, the last four fixtures, it's seven conceded and unscored. And we saw what Ireland could do when they went on the front foot against Australia. It felt almost a little bit rope it up. It was sit back and then use the energy. And when the subs came in, to use that energy to attack in the last 20, 25 minutes. Is it going to be something similar against Canada tomorrow? And will this Ireland team create enough chances from open play? That has been the great debate over here, I think, over the last couple of days in that Vera always says that Vera is like very confident, which is say like, okay, we don't have players that are fast attacking out of the back. But if you look at the likes of, I don't know, someone like Neve Farley, if she was in the squad, probably could attack fast out of the back. Vera will say, we don't have anyone on the bench who can come off and score a goal, but you're like, well, Amber. <laughs> yeah, well, there's Amber is the obvious example, but also like Abby came off the bench for those last like 20 minutes or so and played incredibly well. Like, Shanae, me and you were sitting beside each other at the time and we were like, look at her go. Yeah. This is so great. <laughs> she's actually attacking and she's actually taking the initiative to just like attempt something. And that was so good to see in that game because we we'd watch the team like kind of struggle and it was all a bit turgid apart from the penalty. Um, and and that's a great debate. Like, do you put someone like Abby Larkin on from early days and attack like that? Or do you get yourself to like 60 minutes and then go on the attack? And I don't know what's right or what's wrong because like I'm not the international manager, but I also don't understand not giving players like Amber Barrett the opportunity to come on knowing what she has done. Like, the his the fact that she came on in Scotland and scored that goal was incredible. The fact that she came into that preliminary squad and knew that she hadn't played football properly in like the last six or seven months and managed to get like the penalty and the goal. One of the only goals we scored from open play as well, her second one when she teamed up with Kira Grant. You're like, why at this stage? Why not give those sort of players the opportunity? And I know Vera is like so set in her systems and she's so set in her ways. And I totally see what she's trying to do. But in my head, that game was just like crying out for someone who was just not trying to get on the end of a set piece. He was looking for like an Abby Larkin pass that was going to like make a little bit moment of magic. And at this stage, I feel like we have nothing to lose because if we lose tomorrow, then all our I hopes think the, are gone. I think the players will take a little bit of initiative. And I think from reading like what they have been saying in interviews and what they've been saying to us in interviews is I think they're ready to take that initiative. And I think Abby Larkin has been a big part of that, that they were like, they had built up Abby Larkin. Like the whole story of Abby Larkin is this squad building her up from that Marbella uh, training camp. Like all mm. of the players wanted Abby to succeed. They saw that raw talent and they were like, so I think they have kind of taken their own like Abby project and like seen it to fruition and seen like, okay, that's Abby came on and did that 35 minutes. Okay, we can do that for ourselves. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it quite a coup, but I think that the, players themselves are going to take some initiative upon themselves and go, okay, we know we have to do the selfless tasks and we know we're going to play five at the back, but we're also not going to sit back and be scared um, tomorrow night. And that also 
kind of makes me a bit scared because Canada are in a very similar position to, to us. They are being criticised for not scoring enough goals. They are being criticised for not executing um, their chances properly. So this has all the hallmarks of something that should be in all tomorrow, like two teams that are defensively minded, who pride themselves on clean sheets, who pride themselves on, you know, grit and determination. Um, so, yeah, all the hallmarks of an all, but because they're both under pressure to go and execute, to go and get three points and to go and get some goals, like, hell, this could be a three all tomorrow <laughs> before we know it. Like, if two teams who aren't used to going at each other go at each other, <laughs> like, who knows what will happen? Well, especially after like that Nigeria game, because like I watched it and the first thing that I thought after watching it was Canada Day plays so similarly to us where they're really, really good defensively, but also you don't know where the goals are going to come from. And we had um, Carmeline Moscato today on the Koi Gig podcast and she actually summed it up so well. She was like, this Canadian team are still discovering their identity and what they are. And the fact that they didn't have Jesse Fleming for that first game, like I think out of the 24 games that they've played since they won the Olympics, she's played nearly every single minute in every single one of them. And the only game she hasn't played in are the ones that they've lost. So for them, they're seeing her come back in and be like, this is incredible. We're going to do something. She is probably a, a quite a bit more developed than an Abby Larkin but that sort of player that's actually going to like take the game by the scruff of the neck and kind of bring the opportunities in for those open play goals and that worries me slightly going into tomorrow because I as much as I rate Abby and I think she's great and I've been on a journey where after that Marbella game I didn't think she was up to international standard at all I thought the girls were kind of congratulating her for very simple things that she was doing and like she would do a very simple pass and everyone was almost over celebrating it whereas in the months since then I I think she's come on massively I still don't think she's at quite that level to come into a team and obviously everything's going to change so I'm really interested to see what the Canada of tomorrow is like compared to the Canada that we saw in the Nigeria game where everything was just like a little bit dead and a little bit tough to watch at times and I as much as I think you're right about the tomorrow could be a 3-3 I also think it could be a nil all and oh yeah we'll all leave the ground entirely frustrated and no one will be happy at the end of it <laughs> and everyone be like oh women's football is terribly boring <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that... for me the the Jesse Fleming thing was um like I was like I, I probably didn't have the correct reaction to the Sam Kerr thing because for when when we found out about Sam Kerr being injured, I was like, "Oh, this is terrible for the tournament." I'm so upset for her. I hate hearing about injuries. You know, if we're going to go and play someone, you prefer to play them full strength. Like none of that makes sense. Like it's way too like pleasant of me uh, as a sports <laughs> fan. Uh, but with Jesse Fleming, I was like, "She's injured anyway." I would have loved her just to stay injured for another game. <laughs> like, it'd be great just not to have her on the pitch tomorrow. So yeah, it is. It is a bit of a blow to the Irish hopes. I think it would be because I I was watching the Nigeria Canada game going. There's nothing to fear here. Like there is like there was a lot to fear. Like going to face Australia, even mm. with Sam Kerr gone. Um, but yeah, like if if we were facing that Canada team that we're facing Nigeria, there was nothing there to fear. And Jesse Fleming coming back gives that psychological boost and also you know the the literal boost on the pitch as well. Mm. That's what most of the Canadians were saying today. Like, even if she only plays 45 minutes, that'll be 
great for mm. them and they're excited for that and you're like god if there's a player coming back and you only want them to play 45 minutes max then you know they're probably going to make a massive impact in that time Sinead, I was listening to uh, Emma and Kathleen on Koi Gig just before I came into the office earlier on and they were talking about Bev Priestman's uh, comments and I like the fact that Emma said, you know, I don't mind when Ireland are called physical and gritty and hardworking. These are all probably good traits to be associated with a team. Uh, but I'm wondering how these uh, comments will have gone down in the Irish camp where Priestman said, I think from my perspective, we have to match their physicality and hope that our quality will eventually shine through, which in a way sounds kind of condescending. But as Emma kind of spun it, these aren't exactly qualities the Vera Pau wouldn't want to see in her team. Yeah, so th- they were the things that I picked out and for our report on the 42. I was like, Priestman was kind of speaking from both sides of her mouth. Like she was saying on one hand, we respect Ireland and, you know, a lot of the traits that they have, we like to say that we have in Canada as well. Like that, you know, never say die attitude, that idea that you do anything for your country, the pride, the resilience, the spirit. But then she kept saying the marked difference would be quality. And she said it three or four times. So I was thinking this is absolutely something that the Vera and the rest of the backroom team should be showing Kate McCabe, Denise Sullivan, Louise Quinn and get the troops riled up tomorrow because those players who I just named, there's not a gulf in quality between those players and the girls who'll be lining out for Canada tomorrow. And Priestman to kind of continually say that she's, she doesn't expect any surprises from Ireland. She thinks that she knows exactly what she's getting. She's getting only spirit and resilience and heart and and that Canada that can then up the quality. Like for me, it reminded me of like how we talk in the GA, like if you play junior B, like even the best players go down to junior B standard. That was kind of the vibe of what she was saying. And I was kind of thinking, hey, I'm a bit annoyed by this. Like even though like I we'd be the first to criticize you know, the players if they don't do well. And yeah, I think uh, it could be a little bit of a motivating factor for for Vera Pau and, and the team when they hear it back because it was just how often she said it. Like she said it three or four times that, yeah, Ireland have all these great attributes and she was she was praising them and she was equating them to things that Canada have as well, but kept then caveating with, we'll bring our quality, our quality will, will shine forth and we'll go and get the three points. So, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting tact to, to take, I think. And uh, definitely, as much as she said she was respecting Ireland, she was kind of disrespecting them a lot in the same in the same breath. It kind of reminded me, though, of the same way that like Gustavison talked about Ireland before the Australia game in that he was constantly trying to like write down the quality that was in the team and then also egging up the likes of Haley McCabe and or saying like, oh, well, we know the side of the team that we're going to attack. And I mean, most of us probably knew what he was talking about at the same time, but it just surprised me so much between the two managers, how much of a common thread there has been at how willing they have been to top down Ireland when you do have world cast players in the side like Kenny McCabe, like Denise O'Sullivan, like a lot of the other parts of the squad. Like it's a strange tap to take in my head because I think it's the sort of thing that's just only going to rile us up more. And I mean, we saw how much the team were up for it in the Australia game. Like they certainly weren't holding back. And I think it's funny, like in a 32 team World Cup, if you're facing a team that has undeniably 
two world-class players in Denise Osama. Like, that's two out of 11, guys. Like, that's pretty significant ratio in a World Cup where there'll be lots of teams who have zero out of 11. You still have to go and respect them and beat them, like England versus Haiti or whatever. So mm. it's it's just a very unusual thing to do, being like, oh, well, we have quality where they don't, despite the fact that they have Denise O'Sullivan and Katie McCabe. It's, yeah, it's a strange way to think about a team and I do think part of it Gav Comiskey from the Irish Times asked this day about the physical thing like has this just become a like perception about Ireland that's not actually rooted in reality uh, or are you playing up to refs or or what's the why has this become the narrative around this team um, well it came just... from like the Columbia game initially I think and then and no one even saw that <laughs> no one even saw that we only know about like the 22 minutes that we've heard about everywhere and then in the Australia game, even like I know me and Gav Cooney from the 42 were on talking about it after the fact. And like I criticized Katie once or twice, just saying I think she went in hard on some tackles. And I was inundated with people being like, it was a fair battle. Like, and I was like, I also criticized Hayley Rasso about the amount of times that she was going in on Katie. And I thought it was a very specific ploy that the Australian team employed that they were like, we are going to try and get in Katie's head and we're going to try and get her to foul because there's the whole thing of like, did Katie I had said something very similar after the 42 that they had targeted Heather Payne for the, those balls, the long balls overhead or the through balls. And they targeted Katie to try and get in her head. I had said the exact same Kathleen. Yeah. Yeah. And but like people were so annoyed at me and I was like, no, I was criticizing Australia as much because I think like Hayley Rasso, it should have been like a GA situation where Katie and Hayley were like pulled aside and they were like, yellow, yellow, right, calm down. It's all sorted. It's all done. And that wasn't the case on the night. And but you could see the tactics that they were trying to employ. And I don't know how this is somehow now morphed into Ireland or a rough team. I mean, Look at Louise Quinn. She's walking around with a massive shiner on her head, like a boot on her foot. It's clearly not just us that are playing this way. Like we're playing to the standard that is expected of us. And if you watch the Columbia game today, even like half the players spent most of their time rolling around on the pitch in the way you'd expect from a men's side rather than a women's side. So it's definitely not just a problem associated with Ireland. But for some reason, it's a tag that has been put onto us now. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's just tournament football. Like, Sinead, we've had a few good underdog stories so far and tournament debutants have been doing reasonably okay at the tournament. What is your hope or expectation for tomorrow? Um, uh, my, Two different questions in there. Possibly. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, my hope is a win and I think it is plausible, possible. Um, like I would caveat that with coming into the World Cup I was very aware and a scenario that I think was very realistic was we would come, we would have a lovely moment with a full stadium in Stadium Australia, but we would unfortunately go on and lose three games, um, but make a good account of ourselves. So I, I still think that is something that is possible. Like it's our first major tournament. You know, we 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 still aren't like every, everything I've just said about Denise and Katie, like we still aren't quite at you know, the level that we can beat a really, really strong team like Australia. And we unfortunately are in a group that's really difficult. You know, we don't have easy pickings across the three games that we have. Um, but because we gave such good account of ourselves on Thursday, and I think because there is, um, you know, the, the 
possibility of a really good performance from this team. I would, yeah, my hope is that we could get a win. Um, my expect my expectation is that it might be an ill all draw. Like there, it might it might go back to stereotypes, and neither team will score. Um, yeah, so I think they're my my hopes and expectations. A loss, I think, would be would be really tough. I think mm. a loss would be really, really, really tough on the team after the performance on Thursday, um, the confidence that they're going into this game with, um, the fact that Canada aren't performing very well, the fact that the Canada Nigeria game was a bit flat. Um, yeah, I, I think a, a loss would be really disappointing and and just a a killer for the whole tournament from an Irish perspective. I wonder, Kathleen, if we were talking in 24 hours time, would a draw seem like a bad result, given that the draw that's already occurred between Canada and Nigeria, a draw would at least keep Ireland in it going into the last round of games. Um, Again, I'm not sure. How would you view a draw if that was what was to happen tomorrow? I think if it was a nil all draw, I would view it as a disappointing result. I think if it was like a 1-1 or a 2-2 and we scored from open play, I would see that as a positive. Um, just because that's the thing we've struggled with the most. I've said since before the tournament started that I think... Open play is a big ass, Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Two all and open play. Ah, come on now. (laughs) Well, no, if it was a 1-1 and and we had a goal from open play, I'd be pretty happy. Um, I'm taking a one all with penalties, just like realistic (laughs) over here. Yeah, go on. Hopes and expectations though, Sinead. I have 24 hours (laughs) to live out my dream. Um, no, but I've said since before this tournament started that I think people have underestimated Canada because of the way things have been working with their federation, where they haven't been getting the respect that they should have. They haven't had as many warm up games. If you look across the board in those first games, the teams that are expected to perform well have by and large, apart from maybe like one one or two, not actually had massive results against their home or against the teams they are playing. So I I don't know how much we can judge those first games off. Um, I think Canada are massively talented. I know, again, Shane and I were up in Canadian McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan. I think they are very talented. I do think Canada have one or two players who are slightly more talented at the moment um, and playing at a higher level than some of our players are. That said, having looked at how we performed against Australia, I totally think that performance is in our team. It's just the goals. That's the thing that I really, really struggle with. I would love to say my heart says tomorrow Ireland are going to win 2-1. Not saying from open play, but like 2-1, we will do it. And I would love that. Um, But there's just a realistic point in my head that I do think that Canada are going to beat us tomorrow. And I don't think it will be that much a shock to me anyways as much as it will be to other people. And I do appreciate the fact that like I watched quite a lot of NWSL whenever I worked with ESPN. So I probably am familiar with more of these players. Um, But yeah, it's a, I think if we're sitting here in 24 hours, having said everything else, we will clearly be happy if we have a draw, but if we have a draw, if we have a draw, it puts the whole rest of the tournament in other people's hands. And that's the thing that's really frustrating when you look and, at how close we were against Australia. 
Yeah, and that and that's why our expectations have shifted. So like we've always said that we could see a pathway to four points from this group. And the pathway to four points was always a point against Australia and three points against Nigeria. It's just the ordering of the games now has changed how we want that to work because we want <laughs> we want our three points now and our one point next week. Thank you very much. So, you know, like, yeah, if if tomorrow is a draw, uh, we will absolutely take it. If tomorrow is a draw and we have a moment and we have a goal. I, I was talking tonight to a guy who plays football in Perth who's been here for almost 20 years. And, you know, he was saying he just wants an Irish moment. And he's right. Like if we get a if we get a goal and particularly if we get a goal from open play, like Kathleen's saying, if we get a good goal from open play, that's a World Cup moment that we can remember forever, you know. Um, and Katie McCabe against... Screener, Sinead, that's what we need. That's what I keep saying, Katie <laughs> McCabe Screener, come on. We know she can do it. And we haven't had one for Ireland in a while. We deserve it. Yeah, I would take a so... Louise Quinn header as well, to be fair. <laughs> any of that, like, central veteran group, any of them score, and I will be absolutely delighted. <laughs> I think a screamer could come from the penalty spot. We could uh, well call that a screamer. Yeah. Kathleen, before we finish up, for anyone who hasn't uh, caught the new Koi gig, which uh, dropped this afternoon, our time, uh, you get a very interesting Canadian perspective ahead of the game this week. Yeah, we had Carmelina Moscato on, who's played in three World Cups, won a CONCACAF and an Olympic bronze title. So very, very well experienced with the Canadian team and is very close to the Canadian team as well. So she has some really good insight. So you can get that on your OTB football feeds or else the Koi Gig pod, wherever you get your podcasts, you will also find it. Great stuff. You can also uh, follow Koi Gig on Twitter as well. The Women's World Cup show here and off the ball with short non-stop protection deodorant official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Sinead and Kathleen, thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, Talk to you tomorrow. The Women's World Cup show on off the ball with sure non-stop protection deodorant official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.